This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Neen James is a sales and leadership coach and keynote speaker on focus, connecting, attention, and productivity using systems thinking. She's also the author of Attention Pays, How to Drive Profitability, Productivity, and Accountability, and Folding Time, How to Achieve Twice as Much in Half the Time. Now, I hope to have Neen back on the show in 2021, but until then, here's our conversation from April 2019. Neen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. G'day, what a privilege to serve your listeners. I'm so excited about this. Anything we can do to help people be more productive, you know I'm on it. Absolutely. Now, let's address the elephant in the room. I am not talking to a mouse. I am talking to a very intelligent, though short, young lady, uh, Neen James. She is a productivity person. Oh, wait, why don't you tell you, why don't you tell the people who you are? I know who you are, but you tell them in your own words. Well, I know I sound like I'm five. Maybe Minnie Mouse is who you're actually thinking about, um, but I'm significantly older than that. And so I grew up in corporate business in Australia. I've worked in retail, banking, telecommunications, and the oil industry. And so as an attention expert, what I'm really obsessed with is helping people get more done and pay attention to what matters. And I'm so fortunate I get to play with really cool clients around the globe, whether it's media companies like Comcast and Viacom, MT or whether it's even some of the Trinity Hospital system or pharmaceuticals like J&J or even the FBI. And what I find is that, Mark, I'm brought in because people need like an energizer bunny for their meeting, but my batteries don't (laughs) run out, right? And so you and I both hear this all the time from clients where they say there's never enough hours in the day or Mm -hmm. they say, gosh, there's so much to do. I don't know where to focus first. And so what I do is I fix that with my keynote. And so as you know, uh, we have two programs that are really popular. One is Folding Time. We have a book by the same title. And then the latest one, which I'm really excited about, is Attention Pays. So how do we really get people to focus on what matters so they can make more money, they can have better relationships, and so that we can create those significant moments that matter? And that's what I'm all about. And your new book came out just two days ago, and they can get it at Amazon and probably anywhere books are sold. They can. I'm so excited. It's been picked up by Barnes & Noble, Walmart, obviously Amazon, which is where many of us buy our books, right? So I'm very excited about the book. Thank you for sharing that with your listeners. Well, I'm a rebel. I'm an Apple guy, so I buy all my books from iBooks because I'm a snob. Oh, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) That's so efficient. And then you don't have to schlep them around everywhere, right? Exactly. Exactly. I I heard that like vinyls make it a comeback. I hear... I don't think in my lifetime, I'm 52 years young, I don't think we'll ever see books go away, but I love the fact that if a book is released, I can, bam, instantly download and start reading out the way for some schmuck at the Amazon store to go and package it up, maybe drop it on the floor, kick it down the aisle. You know, I get the book in pristine shape because it's electronic. Yeah, and it's interesting because the Attention Pays book came out early for people who have Kindle, and uh, it's even cheaper for people who have a Nook. So it's really interesting the way that they're marketing books now, but I hope the real books never go away because I still love to hold a book, highlight a book, and the smell of a book. Ah. Call me (laughs) old-fashioned. I was going to ask you if you still – because I love that. My daughter and I like that. We get a book, and we we have to smell it, and older older books have a different smell to them. Yeah, it's true. And I still 
love, you know, they're very rare these days, but I still love those family-owned bookstores. We're so fortunate where I live in Doylestown. They still have a family-run bookstore, and so wherever possible I try and support them. It's really neat that those places still exist. They do. Now, I know that, like me, you're a productivity – well, I'm not a productivity gal. I had to watch my saying there. Uh, I'm a productivity person like you are. However, I got to believe that you were not born productive. There's probably some point in your life where you were like – a person out in the middle of the ocean with no oars, you have no idea what's going on. So tell us about that part of your life before the super productive Neen James we know today. You know, I think, though, Mark, I'm the oldest of five. So as the oldest and often, as the listeners know, the oldest is often the most responsible kid in the family. The oldest of five meant, yeah, that's right. (laughs) It meant that I had to always be organizing my brothers and sisters, that I always had to be able to help them get everything done. And so I think I learned this this concept of productivity really from my mom and the way that she role modeled things. So I think I've always been a kid and now an adult who could get things done. But just like so many listeners, I still suffer from the same things they do. There are days when I get distracted. There are days when social media is so much more interesting than writing a client proposal (laughs) or preparing for a keynote speech. And it is my belief that when it comes to paying attention and focusing on what's most important, we are all a work in progress myself included. Now, because you're a productivity person, I want to ask you this question. I usually don't ask this to, of, of people unless they're productivity people. What are some of the myths that you hear when you go out to audiences or you deal with clients? Tell us two or three of the myths that people say all the time to you that you know are absolutely not true. They say that we have the attention span of a goldfish, and that is rubbish. I mean, who wants to be compared to a goldfish? Not me. And so that's amazing to me that people are sprouting that. I think, too, what's happening is many of my audiences are blaming technology for not being able to get things done. They're blaming technology for being so distracted. Technology is not the enemy of our attention. If anything, when used well, technology can help us get things done However, it can be a distraction. So the myths that I hear are there's never enough hours in the day. Well, you and I both know we get the same 1,440 minutes in a day. Time's going to happen whether we like it or not. Time is definitely not prejudiced, and time is the great equalizer. So these myths that people continue to tell themselves, they have this terrible language around time. They say things like, let's just kill time, or I don't (laughs) have time, or I'm too busy. Nobody's too busy. When we say we're too busy, We're actually saying, I'm too busy for you. I'm too busy for your project. What you're asking me to do is not important enough. And so I think we need to eliminate these crazy phrases from our language. I agree 100%. And I'm so thankful that you talked about the myth of technology because I believe technology is a blessing and a curse. And what happens is, and I'm sure you see this all the time, people are inundated by all notifications on their electronic devices. And they say, what am I going to do? I say, well, you know, you can turn them off. And they're like, turn them off. Yeah, guess what? if you turn off Facebook notifications, you're not deleting the notification. You just have to open up the app to see it. And people, I said, you have to take back control of your devices. I, right now on my phone, I think I have like six or seven apps that have notifications enabled. Everything else is off because I don't need to be alerted when I'm tagged on Facebook. And I think people, they get um, when they when you install an app, it says the developer says, "Do you want to allow notifications?" Now, what you don't realize, dear listener, is when you say allow, 
the notifications are going to be all turned on. Sound, bad counts, everything's going to be turned on. And so what I suggest people do, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Neen, is say don't allow, then go into your settings and turn the ones on that you want. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think we have to be really diligent with not just managing things like notifications, Mark, but also where we're allowing those apps to live on our phone. So, for example, on my home screen, I don't have any social media apps. And the reason for that is that I keep them on the second screen so that I have to consciously choose to go to them. In the same way, we can think about using our Mac. You said you're an Apple person. There's an app that I love that has been installed on my Mac and also my cell phone, and that is called Free. And the Freedom app is a website blocking app. And it's really helpful when I'm trying to get concentrated periods of time where I'm trying to get something done. And it literally locks me out of particular sites where I might be inclined to go and waste time. So there's so many things you can use to your point around making technology work for you. If you're just diligent about it, I turn off every notification. My, my cell phone is actually permanently on silent too. And the reason for that is I don't give my cell phone out to anybody. It's not on my business cards. It's not in my email. It's not on my website. If I've given someone my cell phone, it's because I've chosen to give that number out. So my clients have it. My meeting planners have it. My bureau has it, but it's not something that's published. So generally speaking, if I don't know your number, I may not answer the call. I'll allow it to go to voicemail. Then I'll choose to check to pick it up. So I think there's ways we can leverage technology to help us be more productive, but these are choices we need to make. And like I said, technology is not the enemy of our attention. I agree with you 100%. And I think a lot of it has to come to uh, discipline. You'd mentioned that people blame technology earlier. I mean, I have the social media apps on my home screen, but I very, very rarely, God's honest truth, Neen, do I very rarely go into social media unless I'm posting on there. I don't have the time to look at stupid cat videos, look at baby pictures. I don't have the time for that. And so I think a lot of it has to do with discipline. I think discipline is losing its edge in today's society. Instead of taking responsibility, we're saying, oh, it's Facebook's fault or it's Instagram's fault or it's Twitter's fault. No, you are the grown up, allegedly, and you need to say, I am not going to open up Facebook. You should be able to have Facebook on your home screen and not be tempted. But I think a lot of people like to play the blame game. Well, I think too, though, some people use it as a break from what they're doing. And so I think one of the things to consider is when you're going to these particular sites, are you doing it as maybe a treat for yourself because you've earned that opportunity to take a break? I know that you interviewed my friend, Mike Domich, and he is a fantastic guest. So listeners can go back and listen to that in that interview that he did with you. But I think that we have to look at social media differently. I don't think it's that people... Um, need to beat themselves up about it. I'm not seeing, I love social media to stay connected to my clients, to my family. You know, I've got friends all over the world. And for me, sometimes it's a treat. And so I'm not saying I'm against it. I just think we have to be diligent. Now, social media in my business, like in Mike's business, is a part of my business. That's where I connect with my audience members. It's where I connect with my clients. And so I think we just have to be diligent. And one easy way to do that is I do a social media drive-by in the morning. So just like you would do a very quick drive by, I make my coffee or my smoothie, whatever I'm having in the morning. And I sit there and I go through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and occasionally, not very much anymore, but I would play a little bit on Pinterest. And what I do is I take 15 minutes to go over all those sites. I like, share, retweet, comment, 
post. And it's a little easy way in the morning to connect with the world while I'm just doing something that I enjoy, like having my coffee. So maybe people could listen, who are listening could think about looking at their social media in maybe 15-minute increments. Maybe one way to do it is a social media drive-by. And then once that coffee's finished or one that when that 15 minutes is up, then you stop and then you go and do something else. If you're using it as a treat in your day to check in, then give yourself the reward of checking it after you've finished a proposal or after you've done your sales calls or after you've done your team one-on-one appointments. But think about social media differently. It's social. It's the way we communicate now, but don't let it take over your life. I love that, the drive-by. And I do that in the morning after I do my morning routine. I do check in the Instagram and all that. I don't, I don't have notifications turned on, so I actually have to open up the app to read it. But I don't spend two, three hours in it. Like you said, 15 minutes, I'm done. I go about my day. By the way, uh, listeners, episode 36 is Di- Mike Demish. He is, that's the episode Neen was referring to, episode 36. That was December 5th of last year, 2017. So yeah, he's um, a rock star, really great guy. Yes, he is. And every time I promote his episode, I get a big spike in my downloads because he really promotes them. Even the ones that are old, he keeps promoting. He's a really great guy. Um, now you said something, Neen, that I, w- I don't want my listeners to miss and you need to do you. In other words, don't do what Neen does because Neen does it. Don't do what Mark does because Mark does does it. You need to figure out what works for you. And that may be take a little bit from Neen, a little bit from me, and then mash it up into your own a la carte soup, I guess, if you could say. I think that's what you're trying to say, correct? You got Facebook? Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I have a Facebook group, both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. Yeah, and I think what people need to understand is, you know, what are their true objectives? One of the things I encourage all of my executives to do and all of my clients really is to invest 15 minutes every day in a strategic appointment with yourself. And in that strategic appointment, I always encourage people to really identify what are your top three not negotiable activities. So before your head hits the pillow tonight, what are the three things you must do? And the reason this is important is because they're your three. They're the three things that are going to move you closer to your goals, your objectives that will help you achieve your values and what's important to you. Anything outside of those three is potentially distracting you. It's potentially wasting time. So you've got to choose what are the three that are best for you. Now, the reason for three is because I think that's achievable in a day. Many of us have crazy long to-do lists. I love to-do lists, but the challenge with to-do lists is sometimes the wrong things make it on our to-do list. Mm. So one of the things listeners may want to consider is do you but for 15 minutes every day invest in yourself choose to make an appointment with yourself where you identify those top three and the reason that that also works so well is because it becomes a decision filtering system meaning every time you're tempted to waste time every time you're thinking about doing something else you put it through those three and say does this help me get closer to the achievement of these three objectives if not you have the opportunity then to decline that distraction and get those done first it's what i call prioritizing your priorities in our last, in our book attention pays well, I, I think it's really interesting what you said there because you said 
make sure you talk about priorities, but you also talk about making sure you're intentional about yes. doing these things. And, and I tell people, if you have a, like a slot for one hour to make sales calls, obviously when you're making sales calls or you're writing a blog post or whatever, other ideas are going to pop in your head. And what the mistake people make is they stop what they're doing and go do this other thing. What you should do is maybe keep a list next to you. And when an idea pops in your head, write that and write it down so you don't forget it. And then when the time is up, then you address those lists. I think people are interrupting themselves and because because they constantly interrupt themselves throughout the day, they get to you know the bedtime like I didn't accomplish anything because you kept interrupting yourself every day all throughout the day. I find Evernote is really a clever tool to be able to capture those ideas, notes, thoughts, systems, photos. You know, just it's for me, it's a really good collection system. Mm -hmm. So if you're not as a listener using Evernote, it's something you can use on your phone, on your computer. And I find it really good just to capture that thing. And the nice thing I love about Evernote too is it's easy to search for it. So when you do sit down to write that blog, if you did have a good idea about it, you can just do a search for that particular idea and Evernote is clever in the way it catalogs information so very quickly you can find it. So people may want to use Evernote as their ongoing kind of to-do list, brain dump, you know, place to categorize all of those great ideas they might have that they can't execute on immediately. Yeah, I used to use Evernote until iOS 9 came out and Apple really improved iOS and, and Apple Notes. So I use that. It doesn't matter what you use, listener. Use something besides trying to remember everything, which, as Neen knows, that's not going to work. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I think people just need to find what works for them. Yeah, I think I think. But the, the one thing you shouldn't do is try to remember things. Because when you try to remember things, I mean, we all know, we all know Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will. Well, the productivity version of that is the thing you need to remember the most is the first thing you're going to forget. So get it out of your head and get it into an app. Get into a notebook. Don't put it on the back of a used Post-it or on the back of a receipt because that's going to get lost. One of the things that listeners may also want to be aware of is the way that their brain is wired. And that is that the brain, every time you ask your brain to remember something or think about something, it's like opening another tab on a computer. Now, the brain craves completion. So every time that you cross something off your list as done, your brain gives you this little tiny shot of dopamine, like a little high five from your brain, like, yay, you, well done, you did something. <laughs> and so when we write something down, the act of writing it down and then the physicality of crossing it off, our brain gets that shot of the happy drug, which makes it feel like it got completion. The brain craves completion. And what it does then is it reinforces that behavior with you and it says, that was really great. Let's do that again. And so one of the reasons people feel so overwhelmed, in our book, we talk about this over trilogy, that people are overwhelmed, overstressed and overtired. And part of that is our brain and the habits we've created and we want to retrain our brain. We want to retrain our habits so we can retrain our focus. And sometimes that's as simple as writing it down so you don't forget about it and you don't ask your brain to open one more tab in the computer. And I, the only thing I would add to that is if you put 10 things on your list and nine of the 10 things are really, really, really easy to do, you can do in 30 seconds, I would argue doing nine out of the 10, when you know that one big thing is the thing that would have pushed you forward, I don't think it's as effective as if you, because we all need to do what Brian Tracy says, eat that frog. And we like to put the frog off 
till tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And so I would just caution my listener, don't just put easy things on your list just to get that hit, but make sure you're doing the things that really count. Yeah, and I think that only people know, they are only holding themselves accountable. They are the ones who know what is the right thing to work on, what is the right thing to focus on, what is the right thing that will give you the best results. No one can judge that except you. And one of the things that's easy for people to start with is what are you being measured on each year? If you're an employee, chances are you have a performance review, chances are you have a job description with measurable objectives. That's a great place to start. But if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you have sales goals you're looking to achieve this goal this particular month, or maybe you have financial targets that you want to achieve. Constantly looking at your actions to see if they're going to help bring you closer to the achievement of those goals is vital in order to assess what's really important. Well, let me ask you this, because most of my guests all talk to the small business entrepreneur. Let's talk for a few minutes about people who work for corporate environment. Um, what suggestions would you give these people who have a job nine to five? Their job is basically their boss tells them what to do and when. How can they can become more productive at work under these circumstances? The majority of my clients are in a corporate space. And so this is an area I feel really comfortable making some suggestions. And I grew up in corporate business. And so I love it. And having now had my own company for nearly 15 years, I know what it's like to be on the other side as an entrepreneur. So I think I can speak to both quite easily. The same strategy applies. And I all my executives that I work with do this. And that is that 15 minute strategic appointment with yourself. That's the first thing to really develop a new habit around that so you're prioritizing your most important tasks. The second thing I would do is if you are a leader of people, I would recommend that you look across all of the meetings that you're inviting people to participate in and see if you can shorten those meetings so you can give people their time back. That's really important. The other thing I would recommend is if you're an attendee and you're not the leader of the meeting but you have regular meetings, maybe approach the organizer of the meeting to see if the meeting can be shortened, if there are just times that you can go in for particular sections of the meeting rather than the whole meeting. Maybe you can encourage the facilitator to make sure there's notes happening at those meetings so we're not just doing the same old thing. Meetings, as you know, Mark, can be a really big distraction and they can also be a waste of time. So we just need to think through like where you're spending your time. The other thing I would suggest to people who are employed by someone else is to allocate days to particular activities. For example, we know that the trash gets picked up at our house on Mondays and Thursdays, so that day of the week is associated with that activity. In the same way, we can look at our deliverables as corporate employees and have a look, or maybe you're employed with a nonprofit, but someone else is paying you. Have a think about what days do you do admin? What days do you do marketing? What days do you do development? What days do you do sales? Break down your role into day allocation and allocate certain activities today so that you get into the routine of making sure that things are being achieved on a regular basis rather than scrambling for things to be done. And the other thing with corporate is that sometimes I think we overestimate how much time we have to do something and we underestimate how much time it's actually going to take to complete it. So be really careful and overestimate how long things are going to be so you can over deliver for commitments you make. I think it's interesting because we're talking about meetings. Uh, when I learned how Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, approached meetings, he didn't have anybody in a meeting that didn't absolutely positively need to be there. And I read his book by um, his bi- autobi- a biography by Walter Isaacson. And he said one time he was in a meeting and 
a guy brought one of his, his subordinates to the meeting, and right in the middle of the presentation, Steve stopped, looked at her, and he goes, what are you doing here? And she was kind of taken aback, and uh, he brought me here. He goes, we won't be needing you here. And he waited for her to leave, and I'm like, First, I thought, man, this guy's an idiot. But you know what? She didn't need to be there. And he believed the more unnecessary people we have in the meeting, the more people are talking, then you have more of a chance getting off task. And you, mm-hmm. have, you have to be productive at meetings. And I, when I used to be in corporate America, Neen, I remember I would go to meetings. There'd be like 50 people in the room. And you go back out of the meeting. You're like, well, only three people need to be at the meeting. Why, why did I waste my three hours? Now I've lost three hours. Now I have to right. make up the three hours. And I, and I, I think that it comes down to the leader. It comes on to the meeting planner and the organizer organizer. And you know, now what if you're not a leader? What if you're not a meeting organizer? Is it okay professionally for a meeting attendee to say, listen, do I really need to be here? I mean, is it critical I'm being here? How would they approach that? I think you want to be asking maybe at least on my website, I have a blog of this very topic, 10 different questions to understand whether you would be able to add value at that meeting. And so you want to think about what's your role in the meeting? Where do you contribute to the meeting? What can you prepare in advance of the meeting? Do you need to be the person who attends the meeting? Are there sections of the agenda you can attend just that section of the agenda rather than the entire meeting? But what you need to have the courage to do is to start questioning why you're attending and what value you add. And sometimes businesses get into the routine of having the same meeting every week without really having anyone question the validity of that meeting. Maybe you're the brave person who has a quiet word to the organizer and says, hey, I really want to make sure that I can add value to this meeting. What preparation do you want me to do? How can I best serve? How can I best support? And if they can't answer that question intelligently, you may want to ask them, hey, do you need me at the meeting? Is there an opportunity for me to read the minutes after the meeting instead of attending in person? Or maybe you gently suggest, could we have this meeting every other week instead of weekly? Or could we make it a 40-minute meeting instead of a 60-minute meeting? Could it be a 15-minute meeting instead of a 30-minute meeting? This takes courage. But what happens is you become the hero when you give your time back. Mm. I love that. Well, let's take a minute to talk about sleep because I see a big problem in this country and around the world, frankly, that people are not getting enough sleep, not, I should say quality sleep. And as a result, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're dragging throughout the day and it's very difficult to be productive when you are dragging. So let's talk a few minutes about your thoughts on sleeping. Become a free Mark Stuchowski Insider today by going to MrProductivity.com. When you do, you will get my top five productivity tips absolutely free. The Mark Stuchowski Insider, free at MrProductivity.com. We have a whole section dedicated to this in our book because I think it's so vital. And I also outlined this in our original book, Folding Time. And I hired a sleep expert, Karen Roy, to help me prepare that section because she creates what we call, what she calls sleep hygiene. And not being clean, but creating a process before you go to sleep at night. And then also making sure that you're getting your body ready for sleep. And then she talks about, you know, how powerful sleep is on our brain and resetting our systems and how it affects our metabolism. But I I think with sleep, what happens is that when we don't get enough of it, Mark, our little fuse becomes shorter. So we're not as tolerant. We're not as kind. We're not always as appreciative. We don't pay as much attention. And so we have to think about the negative impacts of not getting enough sleep. 
Now, there are ways that can help you sleep more. For example, shutting down some of your devices earlier, minimizing your time with, you know, screens before you sleep, starting to uh, turn the lights down so they're not as bright before you go to sleep, making sure you're hydrated before you go to sleep. You can also think about staying off decision-making things like email and social media. I use an app called Calm, and I, I love the idea of being able to, when I'm, you know, more challenged. Last night was a classic example. I had some big deliverables today. And I was not being able to sleep. So I put the Calm app on my phone and it just was a really great way. And I had to have my phone with me because the alarm was there. Now, not everyone needs to have their phone in their area of sleep either. I'm a huge advocate of not having my phone in the same room when I sleep. But when I have early morning flights and when I have those type of things, I use it as an alarm. Now, you could go and buy yourself an alarm clock if you wanted to. But for me, using the Calm app was really helpful. Also, consider the environment you're sleeping in. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Think about the linens that you put on your bed. All of these things affect the environment. If you have pets that come into the bathroom, into the bedroom, if you, if your partner snores or if they don't snore, you know, investing in some little earplugs can also help you get more <laughs> sleep. Whatever it is that you need to do, be selfish about your sleep patterns so that you have the energy you need the next day. Well, you you just said the word I was gonna gonna lead in the next question. I just finished listening to the audio audible book by Chris Bailey, the the product the productivity project. In there, he talks about he gave up water, or gave up drinking everything but water as a beverage for thirty days. I'm at day twelve right now, just drinking ice water every day, and I can tell you my energy levels after a couple of days have gone through the roof because I'm not drinking anything but water, and my body doesn't have to break anything down with just water. So, listener, I you know I'm. Gonna, in a bonus episode in a couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you the, the full results, but I can tell you I already feel energized throughout the day. I get enough sleep and I get, uh, I'm not filling my body with, now I still, I'm a sugar junkie, I, I will admit that, but I'm trying to drink just water. And I think you said something about hydration. I think a lot of us aren't getting hydrated enough, not only before bed, but during the day, we're just, we're so busy. We're forgetting to hydrate our bodies and our body needs the water. We need to take, make sure we're eating right. And that's a, a component of productivity. People think productivity has nothing to do with sleep or eating, but it really does. My friend Tamsin Webster, she's a brilliant business speaker, and she has a phenomenal program called The Red Thread. And Tamsin and I were talking about this idea of both sleep and water. And one of the things that she does is she and I both have a goal of drinking three liters of water every day, but she sets herself a time frame. So she needs to have had a certain number of water bottles before lunch, a certain number by the afternoon break, and then a certain number before she's gone to bed. And I really like the way that she broke it down so simply. And I could get my head around it. So the way that I mastered my intake of water, and by the way, I don't know mastered, that's a very strong word. I'm a work in progress as well. But what I do at the beginning of the day is I fill up all the water bottles so that I know that I'm getting three liters. Now that might mean you have to buy a couple of extra water bottles or maybe you use a jug of water. But what that's helpful to me is the visual reminder. So I carry it with me all around to my meetings and my car. At the airport, I always have a bottle that I can refill on the other side of security because I think it's important to always have water with you. And then you get into the habit of doing it. Therefore, you don't get woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning where you think you're hungry or you need to go to the bathroom. And in actual fact, maybe it's just your body telling you it's dehydrated. 
That's very interesting. So before we wrap up the interview today, tell us a little bit more about your book. It sounds really exciting. As a productivity guy, I don't ever think I have all the answers figured out. That's why people say, why are you having a productivity person on your podcast? Because I learn with every guest I have on my show. And so I read productivity books. I listen to productivity podcasts. And I'm very fascinated about your book because I want to learn how to become even better at what I do. So share with me and my listeners more about your book. I think we can all learn a lot from each other. And I learned an enormous amount through my research of my clients and, you know, years of serving thousands of people as a keynote speaker. I've had the privilege of having hundreds of conversations with people about their productivity as well. And attention pays is all around the whole concept that when we pay attention, attention pays. Now, the way that it pays is it increases profitability for companies who are paying attention to their customers so their customers stay loyal and often buy more. It really helps us when it comes to driving productivity, as you and I know, because we're focused on getting the right thing done. And it also helps us from an accountability point of view, meaning that we will do what we say we're going to do. In the book, we outline what I call the attention pays framework, and that's how we pay attention. Now, I decided that based on all the research and the evidence we had, that we pay attention in three ways, Mark. Personally, it's about who deserves our attention, and that's about being thoughtful. Professionally, it's about what deserves our attention, and that's about being productive. And globally, it's about how we pay attention in the world, and that's about being responsible. Personally, professionally, and globally. And the book outlines hundreds of strategies that individuals and leaders can apply immediately. Awesome. Again, that book is available now at Amazon and iBooks and Nook and anywhere you can book, get books, you can get it. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. One other question you mentioned a couple times during this interview about accountability partners. And here's my thought on accountability partners. Anybody can be an accountability partner for somebody when life is going great. It's when the person that you're, that you're being accountable to, when there's a conflict, you didn't do what you said you're going to do. That's where the problem lies in. Cause that's where the conflict is. And most people like to avoid conflict at all, at all costs. So what I give people suggestions is make sure it's great to have a spouse as your accountability partner or a friend or a boss, but make sure they're going to be there when you really need them, when things, when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So what are some of your thoughts about accountability partners? So I pay for accountability. So I have a fitness coach, Jennifer Jacobs, and she and I work out by FaceTime. And so I meet with her once a week. And the reason I do that is I'm paying her to help me work out and give me routines I can take on the road with me. She also checks my food journal every day. So I literally write down everything that I eat. I also pay for accountability for my performance coaches where they're helping me to develop my keynote and my content to make sure every time I stand in front of an audience, I deliver the best version of my keynote. So I think you can hire coaches and mentors and people who have expertise. When I was learning to run, I hired a running coach. So you can hire expertise. The other thing that I recommend is one of my friends, she and I send an accountability email to each other every Friday. So on Monday, we send each other the goals we're going to achieve that week. And on Fridays, we send our results. And this is really powerful because what it does is helps us both stay really focused on what we need to do because we don't want to let the other person down. And we know that email has to be written. Now, let me tell you, sometimes Thursday nights or even late Friday afternoon, I'm scrambling to finish things. I have to send her about that email. But what I want to do is I don't want to let the team down. And so she does the same thing for me. 
And I think, too, having that level of accountability where you declare your goals and then how, how you're progressing them. Also, it's my belief that public accountability drives private accountability. Mm. And so being able to do that regularly with people you trust. Now, you also need to think about who you're choosing to your point around accountability. I choose people that will hold my feet to the fire, literally. People who will call me if I'm not doing things or if I'm slacking off. And they will question why something wasn't done as opposed to just giving me a pass. So we have to really choose those people that we're willing to allow them to speak into our lives and have the right to give us that feedback or sometimes that conflict to what you mentioned earlier. But we have to choose that. Be adults and decide when you share with someone what you're going to do, you're committing not only to yourself, you're committing to someone else that you will get that done. Absolutely. Now, you did say, are you a runner? You know, it's a very loose term. <laughs> I, <laughs> I only started, I only, uh, I was, a friend dared me to run, start running as a stress management, actually. That was how we had the conversation. He was a very uh, strong marathoner. And I was like, I do not have the body to run. So listeners can't tell that, but I do, uh, my body is not built for running. Let's be very clear. And uh, so anyway, I went to the store, I bought all the gear. And then two weeks later, I'd signed up for a 5K, hired a running coach, and then two weeks uh, into my running journey, another friend said to me, well, you know, if you're running now, you should really do a marathon. So I was like, oh, how hard can it be? So I signed up for a marathon. <laughs> so I, and that's a full marathon, not a half. And so I started running. I didn't even run on a treadmill. I never ran at school. I never did sports like that. And so I started running and within less than five months, I had completed a full marathon. So wow. I love running for the stress management. For me, it's like meditation. It's like my own form of therapy where I can take a challenge on a run with me and solve it. So in the winter months where I live, it's treadmill running, but I'm excited about the spring. And so when I travel, I take my running shoes with me and my running watch so I can explore new areas. And I'll be doing that this week when I'm traveling. Wow. Well, today we're recording this on April 2nd, and I started running August 29th of last year. Uh, I read an article during Hurricane Harvey here in Houston on runnersworld.com. Some lady was running. She goes, what what lessons I learned from running 250 days in a row? And I said, 250 days in a row, running one mile a day. So I started doing it. Today was day 217, at least one mile a day for 217 days in a row. I have felt so much energy. It, running can become an addiction, Neen, because I put, like, I'm listening to an audio book right now or I listen to podcasts, and it's just me and the world. I don't have to worry about anything else. Else, and I really enjoy running and I encourage anyone if you could if you're healthy enough to run you don't have to run a marathon I haven't run a marathon yet but don't run it to make uh records run it for the enjoyment because if you try to beat your record I learned this early on I almost burned out I was trying to beat my record all the time that's the bad thing just run for the enjoyment of it and when I get back I feel ready for the day I mean I try to run because I live in Houston I can run early in the morning and I feel great all day long so I'm glad to see you're a fellow runner so keep it up <laughs> Thank you. I think that people need to find the exercise that suits them and their personality. Running is not for everybody, but maybe you enjoy walking and that's a really great thing to do as well. Exactly. Well, before we wrap up, Neen, what is one takeaway? Because you gave us so much to think about and, and implement, but what is one takeaway you would like to leave my listeners with for this podcast? 
For those of you who are listening who feel like you have too much on your plate, that you are in a state of overwhelm, or maybe you feel like you're exhausted, I'd encourage you to look at the things that you can outsource. So maybe you can hire expertise, maybe you can barter your brilliance for someone else's skill if you can't afford to pay someone or you don't have resources available to do that. Maybe take a brilliant skill that you have and swap that for a skill that you need from someone else. Because when you are running your own business or you're working for someone else, there are so many things to achieve. Do what you're really great at and then outsource the rest. Barter, you're brilliant. I love that. You should have a t-shirt made up for that. (laughs) Neem, where can we find you online? There's only one Neem James online, so you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on all the social media profiles, or my website is neemjames.com, N-E-E-N-J-A-M-E-S.com. Thank you so much for the privilege of being with your listeners. Well, I'm glad you were here. And by the way, you said something earlier that you're a little bit older, you're a little bit younger. I forget what you said about Minnie Mouse. I think Minnie Mouse is rather old. I think he's over 100 years old, so I don't think you're that old. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you sound so young. I mean, I've seen you. I've seen videos of you and seen pictures of you. I mean, you're not five. I can attest to my listeners. Go to neenjames.com and look. She's not five years old, but you are brilliant. I'm so thankful that you've been on the podcast. You gave us so much. This is an episode my listeners had to listen to at least twice because there's just so much here, if not three times. And go get her book. It's available now everywhere. Neen, thank you so much for your time today absolute privilege and thank you for what you're doing in the world to make it a much more attentive and productive place thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the mark stucheski podcast i really hope it served you well today now head on over to my website mrproductivity.com sign up to be a free mark stucheski insider get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.